This is Smart Choices for a Happier Life with Pamela Chambers, and this is Session 1. Hello everyone, and welcome to Smart Choices for a Happier Life, where it's a community of people working together for social good. Let's share love, peace, and let's talk. Here's your host, Pamela Chambers. All right, everybody, I want to welcome Dr. Charles. And Dr. Charles, I hear your staff call you Dr. Charles. Is that how you like to be called? Well, I like being called Charles. Okay. Well, then I will call you Charles. Yeah, wonderful. And I just want you to know that my clients, I have sent some of my clients to your program, Love & Logic, and they absolutely love it. They come back with rave reviews. I just want you to know that. Well, that's wonderful. And uh, there's nothing better than than knowing that uh, we're giving people solutions so they can have good relationships with their kids. Well, great. Now, can you tell me a little bit about you and your career? Oh, sure. I uh, was a kid who grew up in the mountains of Colorado. I wasn't good in school. My dad was a school teacher, and he was pulling his hair out with us kids at home and his kids at school. And in desperation, because nothing was working, he started experimenting with uh, basically on us at home first and with a lot of different ideas. And these things started working so well that... Uh, it eventually became uh, something that people were hiring him all around the world to talk about, and that became love and logic. So I grew up with this approach. I got to see my parents uh, learn it and uh, work the uh, work the approach, and uh, that's why I love it because I really, uh, my parents and I, we get along really good, and we. We still have a great relationship, and that's what I want for other people. And you work with your father, correct? I do, and we and we still have a good relationship. And uh, I work with my wife as well. We work together, and uh, we have kids. And I, I try to use the principles and skills every day. And when I remember to use them, they work really well. When I forget to use them well... Uh, we know how that goes. <laughs> We've all forgotten at times. Yeah, that's right. And I want the audience to know that, that we all struggle. Uh, and people have said to me, it's such a relief to hear that that even you have days where you forget to use your skills or don't use them well. And uh, that's the truth. Uh, but what we're, what we're all about, really, is taking such good care of ourselves as parents that uh, we're calm and we're relaxed and we can be joyful and the odds go up that we can we can use our skills but the number one point here the number one rule of love and logic is that we've got to be able to take good care of ourselves in of course unselfish and in loving ways right and one of the things i love most that you guys do you know is like one of the comments i've read is and i've heard is you know i love you too much to argue you know, as parents, when we're getting in that mode and the kids are trying to get their way and they're charging at us, wanting us to agree to do something and we don't want to agree, they can try to get us into a battle. That's you know? right. And uh, we do love our kids too much to argue. And uh, what Love and Logic teaches, and I'm a teacher, so I'm just constantly teaching. I, I, so when I do interviews, I end up being a teacher. But, but folks, what we, what we really need to be able to do, what I struggle with, um, is staying out of ridiculous debates with the kids. And when we, 
when we get pulled into arguments or debates, we uh, end up on their level. And they're never going to really respect us until we establish the fact that uh, we're, we're not really going to argue with them about certain points. So what we teach is go, go brain dead. Don't think too hard about what the kid is saying. Uh, otherwise, words will squirt out of your mouth. And then, of course, we just repeat the same thing over and over again and do it in a loving way. So instead of it sounding like, well, I love you too much to argue, it, it, it really ideally ought to sound like, love you too much to argue. And, and how long can you repeat that? Right. Staying cool, calm, and collected in those moments of stress is really important. Love, love you too much to argue. <laughs> I like it. You guys offer all kinds of Love and Logic programs. You know, you offer curriculum for teachers, correct? That's right. And also for parents? Parents, that's right. And you also, um, let's see, it's parents, teachers, and what other courses do you offer? Oh, my goodness. We uh, do parents, teachers. We work with, uh, of course, strategies for step-parenting, strategies for dealing with divorce situations. A lot of people will come to us and say, gosh, you know, I came to the seminar, I listened to this audio or read this book because I was hoping to... Uh, uh, here are some ideas that would help me with my kids, and what I ended up finding are skills that actually work with my husband who acts like a child most of the time. <laughs> you so. also, yeah, <laughs> I've seen you offer uh, relationship courses too. You know how to improve your marriage, and this, you know, love and logic can definitely apply towards relationships, romantic relationships, right? Well, yeah, and, and it's really about it's about respect and and, and really loving people. And when we, when we talk about love in Love and Logic, it's not necessarily the head-over-heels infatuation type of, of love that you hear about in, uh, in uh, songs, you know, in popular songs. But it's, it's more about loving somebody so much that you're willing to set limits with them. Loving them so much that you're willing to be really honest with them. Loving them so much that you're willing to maybe put some of your own desires on the uh, back burner so that you can meet their needs. And, and one of the big desires that we have is for our kids to be happy. Uh, I think you probably agree that we, don't we all want our kids to be happy? And that's a desire that sometimes when we really love our kids, we have to put that on the back burner uh, temporarily so that we can hold them accountable. Right, and I think your program is kind and firm. You know, Right, right. Ultimately, we're going for long term. And so I'm far more concerned about my kids being happy and responsible when they're out of the house and they're adults than I am with them being really happy and excited all the time when they're around me. Because if that's my primary goal, if my primary goal is to keep them happy, then I'm not going to give them what they really need. And that, uh, those are limits and, and, and accountability. Right. Setting limits sometimes is harder for us, but what's best for the children. That's right. And a lot of parents don't have that tool mastered very well. <laughs> well, it, it's, it's, it's somewhat a lost uh, art in our culture. Uh, I think a lot of us uh, are are struggling because maybe we didn't have good role models for it or this is a society that is really doesn't have a lot of limits on behavior so we, we've lost uh, in many ways uh, the importance of that 
And uh, parents, I want to say it loud and clear, kids don't feel loved if you aren't setting limits with them. Right. Love is uh, setting limits and boundaries to keep them safe. And, and limits are making sure that your yes is always yes and your no is always no. So limits have very little to do, actually, with the words we say, but much more with our actions. And so uh, Love and Logic teaches, and here I go again with the teaching, but we teach not to attempt to set a lot of limits over the kids' behavior. We set limits over ours, and we use enforceable statements. So it's instead of me saying, you better shape up, that attitude of yours is, that's just totally unacceptable, and you look at me when I'm talking to you, and don't you roll your eyes at me. And the kid, if they're a bright kid, they're thinking, yeah, right. So what, what's a better response? For so you? I'm going to set limits over what I'm going to do and allow. So, uh, honey, and I'm, I'm smiling at the kid. It's hard for me, but I'm smiling at the kid, and I'm, I'm trying to be loving, and I'm saying, I'll listen when your voice is calm. And, honey, I'll be happy to, to take you to your soccer practice uh, after I've had a, at least a week where your eyeballs have managed to stay somewhat in the center of your skull instead of rolling back in your head every time I talk. And, and, and I'll be happy just to, to do these extra things I do for you. Really, when I feel treated with respect and, and you've been helping out around the house. Right. So basically, yeah. it's not listening until you get the respect because when voices get escalated, the thinking shuts down. There's no rational oh. thinking anymore. Right, and I, I, I think this actually applies to marriage. I, I would humbly say that uh, I think when my voice gets a little bit of a, uh, a nasty tone in it, which can happen from time to time, uh, no good comes out of it. And so the concepts apply across the board. Exactly. So now what about, I'm going to pose to you some questions. I'm a mental health therapist here in Scottsdale, Arizona. So some of the common questions I get from parents in parenting, one of them is, how do we get our kids to complete their chores? Any uh, advice or suggestions? Oh, yeah. I, I'd say I'm so thankful that people are asking that question because that indicates they know how important chores are. So I want to give uh, a little framework here, three steps. And let's use the letters A, B, and C. A stands for ask your child to do a chore that you're pretty sure they won't do. See, I, I want to ask the kid to do something that takes the kid a little bit out of their comfort zone. And, and for some kids, that involves, like, getting off the couch. Uh, no, I, I think for some, for some kids, uh, it, it doesn't take much for a lot of kids that aren't used to doing chores. So it, it might be something like, I'd really like you to clean up those, uh, those sticks out in the yard. Or I'd like you to have the lawn mowed. Or uh, I'd like you to dust the baseboards. Or really appreciate if you uh, emptied the, the dishwasher. And uh, when I say take it out, take kids out of the comfort zone, it's, it's something that they don't want to do. And so I'm just going to pick this one thing and I'm going to turn it into a training session. So this is really going to be a little training session I'm going to do with the kid. So step one. Hey, sweet, I'd really appreciate it if you got that uh, dishwasher emptied out. Uh, but don't do it right away. You don't have to do it now. Just have it done by such and such time. Uh, let's put a little note that we don't say do it now. 
because if the kid argues with us about whether or not they're going to do the chore, then now is no longer now. Got See, what I, what I, I don't want to say things that I can't follow through on. So just have it done by such and such a time. And see, I give a deadline so I can figure out what I'm going to do when the kid refuses to do the chore. So it gives me some, some time to talk to my friends or talk to my therapist or somebody and say, hey, what am I going to do? So that's the first step. Second step is the hardest for many of us. It's B, okay? And B stands for bite your tongue. Be quiet. Do not say a thing to the kid. See, what I hope for is that, that I can develop a relationship with my kids where they will learn to listen to me the first time. And my prayer is that will translate into their relationships at school with their teachers. And uh, additionally, I pray that they would develop that kind of relationship with their professors and then their bosses at work and that they would learn to listen the first time to a reasonable request. Important employment skill, important life skill. And if I remind, then I'm teaching them to need reminders. So now I'm going to watch this situation. And if I'm very, very fortunate, the kid will refuse to do the chore or won't do it. They might even get lippy with me. I'm not going to do it. Honey, I love you too much to argue. Uh, just have it done by such as I told you I'm not going to. Well, hey, honey, if you don't get it done by that time, I'll take care of it. No worries. Just laid back. Oh, and now I'm going to watch this kid not do it. And I'm going to keep my mouth shut. And then the C stands for consequences with empathy. I'll do the teaching. And so there are a number of options here. One option is that I uh, have a professional come and mow the yard. And, and, and then I go to the child and I say, uh, hey, bud, I didn't mow the lawn. Well, well, that's okay. I love you. Right? I just had to have somebody come and do it. And, and they're going to be coming in with the bill asking you how you plan to pay them. I like that. <laughs> well, I'm not going to pay him. Well, don't worry about paying him then. I'll take if it's not paid for. I'll take care of it. See, parents, if you can learn to say that, and the kid starts to argue about doing something, hey, if you don't get it done, I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. No worries. I'll take care of it. And always use the same words. I'll take care of it. You, you suppose it takes very long before uh, your kids, when they hear "I'll take care of it," a little light bulb goes off in their head that says, "This is not going to go well." if I don't get this done. And, and so one option is that the kid has to, to pay you with some stuff, right? They, they, you pay the, the professional and they can pay you with that, that MP3 player that you bought them or such and such. Or sometimes, let's say the kid doesn't uh, empty the dishwasher. That's not a problem at all. I mean, at least for me, it would be a problem for the kid because I'm going to do it for them. And, and then... Then maybe later in the week when they're wanting some things, I'm just going to say to them, honey, you know, I, I, I did your chores for you and I love you. I, I did them because I love you and I love you too much to fight with you about it. The problem is, is that I used up all my driving time doing your chores. And so the answer is not this time. And notice there's no nagging, there's no lecturing, and there's no really trying to make the kid feel worse about the situation is just letting that empathy and the consequence do the teaching. Yeah, the natural consequences, which are the best. 
Oh, absolutely. See, I want to come across so sweet and so loving with this kid that down deep, it's really hard for them to see me as the bad guy. Because if I can be really loving and really sweet and sincere, and I know sometimes when I'm talking and I'm doing my presentations, I can come across as kind of silly or a little uh, sarcastic. But in a real situation with a kid, if I can come across as genuinely loving, genuinely sad for them that they're going through this, then the odds go up that instead of them spending all their mental energy blaming me for their discomfort, they might look inside and say to themselves, uh, probably subconsciously, but say to themselves, you know, gosh, I, I got myself in this, in, in, this, in this fix here. Right. They're taking accountability. That's right. Empathy is one of the keys to accountability. I, I like to nail it down for people by saying anger and frustration make the problem mine. It makes the problem the adults. Gotcha. Em empathy. Empathy allows the, the problem to remain the child's. And then they can think for themselves and also develop critical thinking skills. That's right. That's right. And still have a good relationship with you when they're older. Gotcha. So the next question for you, uh, what about how do we handle backtalk as parents? Mm, oh, backtalk. Yeah, well, we, we've, we've done a lot of that already. We've laid the groundwork. And that is true. The, the key is not to backtalk with the kid. <laughs> right. In other words, it, it takes two to tango. So I don't teach people necessarily how to get other people to stop talking back. I just uh, teach people how to uh, stop talking back to other people. So, so, in other words, when the parent can, instead of saying to the kid, don't you talk to me that way, or you're not, you know, and getting into argument with the kid about back talk, I'm just going to be uh, saying things like, oh, I love you too much to argue, and, and I'm not going to try to match wits with the kid. Now, the nice side effect of that is that kids will often uh, back off quite a bit with the arguing, because it just doesn't give them any excitement. But, but this is important, really. The, the key is that I'm not really trying to change the kid's behavior. I'm working on myself. And the reason that's the key is because who can we con control? Ourselves. Yeah. When I start trying to control my kids or trying to control my spouse, that's when everything goes down the drain. But when I can say to myself, okay, First, I'm going to focus as much of my energy on me as possible, coming across in different ways, then the odds go way up that, that other people around me are going to change. And even if they don't, I'll still have this little happy bubble I'm living in. So uh, that's a critical component. And I believe, and I'm sure you see it as well, as a therapist, that, uh, that that's really a make it or break it issue there. Right. I always tell my clients it takes two people to fight. Right, right. So and go ahead. If you remain calm, you know, and collected, and like you said, repeat, you know, I love you too much to argue, it will de-escalate. It, it'll de-escalate. Now, there's something else that, that I believe parents really need to be able to do, and they need to de define reality for their kids. Great leaders, the primary job of any great leader is to, is to define reality. What is reality like in this home? What is reality like out in the world? Okay, 
And how do I define reality for my kids? So in other words, how do I give them a picture of how the world is going to work? Well, let's say I have this kid who's just sassy and talking back, and let's say I'm handling it really well, but their behavior is continuing to, to not be acceptable. Okay, so what's going to happen uh, if this kid, and we just put him in a little time machine and we go forward a few years, they're in a marriage and they're doing this. Or they're working for somebody and they're doing this. What's going to happen? Right, And I, I want to speed up this time clock so the kids have a taste of this right now. So they don't have to experience it later on when the price tags are really big and painful. So this kid been treating me like a doormat all week. And then they come to me and they say, Mom, uh, how come there's greatness on, on the table? It's time to eat. Yeah. Uh, talks like that. And, yeah. Honey, and, and, and I believe in being honest. In a real, real sweet way, honey, I noticed that when you've wanted things from me this week, you've said, Mom, you need to. And you haven't said please or thank you. And, and you've really acted like you think I'm pretty dumb. And, and see, sweetie, I do things for people who treat me nicely. Fabulous. Again, the natural consequence. So, yeah. Now, is the kid going to suddenly stop in his tracks and say, you know, Mom, you are so right. I, you know, my attitude has been really bad. I think I, I, I suffer from entitlement. There's going to be some big changes around here with my attitude. It's not likely. The kid is going to be upset. And they're going to argue and they're going to get worse and down deep. And we need to really come in close and, and look at this closely. Down deep, many of us are going to feel like we did the wrong thing. When we say... I do things for people who treat me with respect and we follow through with action so the kid has grape nuts on their fruit, on the table instead of what they really want. That's not going to feel good to us. It, it, it's going to, we're probably going to have some doubt in our hearts. And uh, what I want to share with people is that if you have those feelings come up, that means that you love your kids. And uh, my encouragement is this. A lot of times with difficult children, when we do the right thing, it, it looks like the wrong thing in the short term. And it feels like the wrong thing in the short term. But if you can write it out, the only question you ask yourself is, did I do it with a loving heart? Did I do it with a loving attitude? If, if you pass that one criteria, you stick with it and you keep saying to yourself, better to pay now than to pay later. And you are so right because it will all pay off in the long run. The consequences now are very minimal as they get older. The consequences grow bigger and bigger as into adults. Something I, I learned as, as a therapist and as, as, a, as a parent trainer is that we, we really need to prepare uh, parents for how this is going to feel in advance and so that when those those scary feelings come up or those doubts come up they can fight those back and stand firm right I like that and I think two parents need to understand that sometimes if it makes feels makes us feel good it can be at their expense right right yeah 
That's right. All right. Now, one last question here about um, what's a common question in my practice. How do we get our children to improve their grades? What do we do about bad grades? How do we build intrinsic motivation? Okay. Well, so do you have about 20 years that we can talk about this? <laughs> this is, Big question, huh? This is uh, probably the most, most difficult question. But there are some core things. And, and for the sake of simplifying this for the audience and give them something they can hang on to, I'd like to boil it down to three points. And uh, but let's preface this by saying that this is, this is a complex situation. And this is not so much about making kids get good grades. It is about raising kids who love learning and love being personally responsible. That's great, so, yes. So again, it, it's the grades, I, I really put those on the back burner or not worry about them too much. It's the whole focus is... is how can I raise a kid who loves learning? Right. Building core and, values, core values and, and beliefs. Right. And, and loves being a good person. Gotcha. See, because we've spent way too much time in our country worrying about self-concept and, and thinking that the way we give people a good self-concept is by telling them they're number one and then they're great and, and all this stuff. And then... Now we have all these narcissistic personality disorder people roaming around, and it's kind of scary. But what I want to teach kids is that I love them, and, uh, and at the same time, the best way to really feel good about yourself is to, is to do something really good. It, it is to do some things that, that, that serve others, that, that are helpful uh, for the family, that are helpful for humanity, and... Um, that's a far healthier message, in my opinion. So, but but let's nail it down to three things for the for the listening audience. The the, the first one is, I'm going to stop fighting with a kid. That's something we know for sure. If I fight with this kid, the kid will never become a good student or excited about learning. And too often we try to ratchet up the consequences or the lectures to get the kid to be excited about learning when in reality this is some a situation that won't necessarily be solved by punishing it's going to be solved by repairing my relationship with this kid and transit transitioning ownership of the their learning to them what this looks like is son i love you and I've been fighting with you about your grades, and I'm going to stop doing that because they're your grades. How silly of me. It would make sense if I fought with you over you getting me bad grades. But who are you getting bad grades for right now? You! Say, why would I be upset about that? I just love you. I'd like to help you, but these are your grades, right? Now, that's the first step, and there's got to be practice behind it. In other words, we're going to, when the kid brings home a bad report card, we're going to look at it and say, wow, oh, well, I love you. Yeah, and uh, boy, I'd sure like to help you. I, I guess if it was me, I'd be really concerned about this, but, you know, uh, we'll love you regardless of, of the whether you live in a nice warm house someday or under I-10. We're going to love you. And, uh, and that's a sincere statement. I'm going to love you. I love you. Right, not your grades. I, I don't love your grades. Your grades are your, for you. You're, th 
they're your thing, and if you get better ones, your life's going to be better, but I just love you. Right. I can't tell you how many times people will come into my office and what they'll do is they'll tell, first thing they'll tell about their children, he's so intelligent, you know, he's so intelligent instead of, you know, he's so warm and kind and giving. Right. Yeah, my father, uh, he developed a little comeback for that, which wasn't all that politically correct, but parents would come in and they'd, they'd say, the first thing they'd say about the kid is he's so intelligent. My dad would say, well, I think we can cure him of that. <laughs> I uh, like that. That's awesome. <laughs> but but that's, uh, intelligence is such a small factor uh, affecting our eternal well-being. Uh, it is a small thing in the grand scheme of things. It's so small. It's such a small factor that in our home, we don't talk about intelligence. In our home, we talk about, okay, how hard are you working? How hard are you, uh, are you willing to pick yourself back up after you've made a mistake? Are you serving other people? How are you treating other people? And then if you're smart, well, that's kind of a side issue. Good for you. But these other things are way more important. And so, but getting back to our three things, the first step is uh, really ending the control battle. And uh, the second step is pour all that energy that uh, you've been wasting trying to force the kid to learn and put it all into uh, an emphasis on character, an emphasis on, on teaching this kid how to be a really good person. So a big part of this involves working on getting the, do, the child to do chores at home. And the chores aren't a punishment. They're just a way of learning about responsibility and learning about how it feels good to be part of a family team, that, that sort of thing. A big emphasis under character is placed on please and thank you. A big emphasis is placed on when you're out and about. The kid, when... He's sitting on the, the train at the airport or the bus or someplace or waiting at some restaurant or whatever. And, and when, when another person, an older person comes in, the kid stands up and offers their seat mm. or opens the door for them. It's, it's all these little tangible, uh, old-fashioned ideas about how do I, how do I put other people um, in front of me. And, and, you know, quite frankly, we're not talking about raising doormats. What we're talking about is raising leaders. And if you really look, if you really look at the most powerful leaders from the beginning of time, you will see that they put other people first. Because they realize that if they can promote the success of other people around them, that increases their own success. They don't do it in a self-serving way. That's not why they do it. But, but they realize that they're not giving up anything by serving, that they're, they're gaining by giving away. Correct. They're gaining by giving away. Now, now the, the third part, and again, uh, this is a skim through here, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell parents, uh, if you want to learn about this, if this intrigues you, and you can do this, you can do this. I, I wrote a book from Bad Grades to a Great Life. Find that, read through it. And it's really what covers all of these ideas here. But the last piece, the last piece is you love them. You love them for who they are. You love them for their strengths. And you spend most of your energy helping this kid focus on their healthy strength areas. 
And, you know, my parents did that for me because I, I was not a good student. I had a hard time in school when I was a kid. And they put all their focus, helped me put all my focus on mechanics, of all things. And I became a, a Ph.D. psychologist because they focused, helped me focus on mechanics. And it was because what that helped me do was feel good about myself, develop a skill that I could be good at, develop a, a job skill where I could get by on that. And I made good money as a mechanic. But, but they built me up in my area of, of real strength so that I had the courage and energy to really uh, pursue some areas that were harder for me. And, and, and that's the, those three things. If, if parents can do those three things, stop fighting, focus on character, love the kid for who they are, they're not going to be disappointed. Those are great tips. Simple and great. I love that. Simple. Yes. Now, where can they find the book? Great. It's Great right. to a Great Life. Loveandlogic.com. Okay, because that's, I know, your website. You know, you also yeah. offer gift certificates, don't you? Yeah, we offer all sorts of stuff. and uh, It's a great uh, thing for new parents. It's a great thing for baby shower gifts. I mean, gift certificates for parenting classes. I mean, sure. well, the thing that I'm proudest of is that we have real people here that will talk with you and give you a little coaching, even if you don't buy anything. I mean, it, it, it's work committed to, to serving people. It's kind of like if I'm telling you, you know, parents to teach their kids to do this, I better be able to do it myself. And we have this business model where we believe that uh, when we give, uh, give people more than they expect and help them without expecting anything in return, we get a lot in return. And it's always worked that way. Oh, I know. Anybody on your yeah. staff has been more than gracious and just yeah, wonderful. They'll, they'll talk with you and they'll, and they'll help you. And, uh, but get a hold of that book. And that's going to give you some very practical things that you can do that are just going to... It's going to end the fighting, too. There's no need to fight over grades. Right. It's just building great value systems in our children. I mean, when we right. do something for somebody else, dopamine's released, and that's our feel-good hormone. And for oh, one, yeah. if we want our children <laughs> to be happy, you know, we need to teach them these great values. Even when you see somebody else doing something wonderful, it, it um, releases dopamine. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, we're just wired up. So, yeah, and the dopamine is essentially the thing that makes us it feel good. It's it's like kind of like the reward chemical that, uh, that that leaves us feeling good. And it's it's, it's so interesting to me that uh, I can say this from a personal standpoint. When I need to go out and help somebody the most is when I feel like doing it the least. Yes, it's it, yeah, and, and that's going to apply to our kids. So kids don't have the same level of maturity to know that. So they have a hard time forcing themselves out to do something. So we kind of have to be that person who says, okay, we're going to do this, even though you don't want to do it. Right. It's kind of like we need love the most when we deserve it the least. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, great. Well, it's just been so wonderful, uh, Dr. Charles Fay. I'm so excited to have you on the show. And I want you guys to all check out his website. It is uh, loveandlogic.com. He's got all kinds of great resources. He's also going to be in Phoenix, Arizona, which is my uh, city here and next to Scottsdale, Arizona. What are you going to be doing in Phoenix? Oh, well, I'm going to be spending a lot of time talking uh, with parents and educators about how to make mornings smooth. Ooh, see, that's see, important. That's tough. Oh, it is important. And you see, uh, I'll give you a little teaser. Uh, if we can 
help our kids learn how to get themselves ready in the morning without having to nag and remind or get into power struggles, that sets the tone for the entire day. And uh, too frequently, kids uh, get a lot of power struggles. There's a lot of nagging in the morning, and then they get to school, and there's problems right away, and they start class. And so that creates this context that lives with them for the rest of the day and the rest of the year, and I think the rest of their lives. So we're going to focus a lot on that. We're also going to focus a lot on basic limit setting, how do you get kids to do chores, and why your kids should not live in an iPad cyber world. Oh, you got that right. Now, what about, what other cities are you going to be in? Oh, my goodness. Okay, I'm going to be in, uh, uh, right outside of Detroit, Uh, of course, here in my hometown, Denver, I'm going to be in uh, Los Angeles. I'm going to be, my goodness, I can't even remember all of them. It's all uh, on your website, though, right? Dallas, Houston, yeah, all over the place. Yeah, you guys can check it out on his website again, loveandlogic.com. And um, gosh, I could talk to you all day. Well, <laughs> There's all the interesting points. It's fun stuff, and I want, I want parents to hear that they can do this. Yes, it they can. It really is hope. Uh, and it doesn't have to be complicated. It means biting off a small chunk, doing some simple strategies consistently, and you're going to see results. Yes, you will. Well, thanks again, Dr. Charles, or Charles, shall I say, for coming on and sharing all this with my audience. They will love it. And I know because the people that I've referred have all been loving your program. And you well, Thank it. you. Thank yeah, you. My pleasure. Is. All right. Thanks again for coming and have a great day. Thank you. You too. Bye. Thanks again to all of you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed our program with Dr. Uh, Charles Faye from the Love & Logic programs. I just really love his work, and I was just so excited that he would come on and share his work with all of you, and my clients have all loved it too, and they say it works, so check him out. I will also have more information on Dr. Charles on my website, PamelaChambers.com, in the show notes. Also, if you sign up for my newsletter at PamelaChambers.com, you can get my five favorite apps for children to help with their emotional development. Remember, you can actually improve their emotional IQ. You cannot improve their intellectual IQ. Again, please sign up for that newsletter at PamelaChambers.com. And next week, I will have Dr. Stevie Stanford, who is the clinical program director at Copper Canyon, which was featured on the Dr. Phil Show. So how do we know when we as parents are in over our heads with our teenage daughters? Yikes, how can we tell? You know, is it really just being a teenager or is it just a teenager really out of control that can use one of these um, residential treatment centers at Copper Canyon? Dr. Stevie can help us, so please check out that podcast coming soon. Thanks again for listening to Smart Choices for a Happier Life. Again, look for those show notes at PamelaChambers.com, sign up for my newsletter, and get my five favorite apps to improve emotional development in our children. So please, so everybody, peace, love, and let's talk. This is Pamela Chambers signing off. Thanks for listening to Smart Choices for a Happier Life at PamelaChambers.com. Wishes for you to have a blessed day. Wishes for you to have a blessed day.